Tigers on Cage. Shoots his goal! Jesse and Lance talk Tigers and all things WHL with the voice of the Tigers, Bob Ridley. Tigers players, Tigers alumni, and insiders across the WHL. Here's your host, Jesse and Lance. Podcast talking about the Minnesota Tigers. This is Tigers Uncaged, powered by South Country Co-op. My name is Jesse. He's Lance Dahl. How are you, buddy? Well, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. As well as we can be. Yeah. With a team that is, uh, as we are recording this, on a 12-game losing streak. Mm-hmm, we uh, mm-hmm. we are coming off a loss from the Edmonton Oil Kings, which in my mind was not really a huge loss, so to say. I mean, 5-2 five, five, against Edmonton could have been a lot worse. Uh-huh. I mean, I mean, the Tigers got out to an early lead. They scored the first goal of the game. And then you, you kind of look at how it went from there on out. They just couldn't generate any offense, unfortunately. But uh, but the Oil Kings, we saw this with, with the Red Deer Rebels and, and Edmonton, very similar. They're clearly geared up and trending in the right direction for playoffs, right? Because like, oh, yeah. those teams are now locking it in tr- and playing as solid as they have all season to make sure that for playoffs, they're dialed in and ready to go. And the thing about a team like Edmonton, I got a chance to watch a little bit of a game. They probably could have went out there and scored 11 goals like Red Deer did uh, earlier this week, Mm -hmm. but they went, they scored their goals, and then they focused on defense. Mm -hmm. They could have blown the Tigers out, but they took that opportunity to work on a lot of the defensive stuff that maybe they were struggling with. And and that had been a, a point of emphasis for the team over the last little while because they were giving up a decent amount of goals, right? Yeah. So uh, to limit the Tigers to 10 shots and still I think they put up over 40 shots in the game, which is crazy to say a team focused on their own zone of the ice first and still put up over 40 shots and five goals. Uh, it kind of speaks to how just how good Edmonton is. Like we, we take for granted seeing them so often, Yeah, but they're they're the best team in Canada Yeah, uh, uh, by the CHL standards for a reason, right? So Yeah, it, it's going to be a very interesting race come playoff time. Mm-hmm. I know the Tigers probably... Uh, I'm not going to say probably. Tigers are not going to make the playoffs this year. Right. But to watch some of these teams that are going to make the playoffs, this is the first time in a while that I'm intrigued by matchups that don't include the Medicine Hat Tigers. Yeah, yeah, uh, there's some good ones. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued to see a team like Moose Jaw, who mm-hmm. is, is getting better. I mean, you have your Winnipegs, you have your Edmonton Oil Kings. Obviously, if those two teams are able to play in the playoffs, that's going to be a great best-of-seven series. But you yeah. also look at a team like Brandon, Saskatoon, Red Deer. Which could make some noise and potentially be some upsets in the WHL playoffs. Yeah, I mean, as of right now, as we recorded, like you look at things. The the Rebels have won six in a row. The the Oil Kings have now won nine in a row. Uh, so it seems like Edmonton's kind of cemented for first in that Central Division. But then you look at the East, and and I don't know, it's really an accurate depiction of just how good these teams are. But like the top four: Winnipeg, Moose Jaw, Saskatoon, and Brandon. Like Brandon has only got 57 points. They're 26, 17, and 3. They're fourth in this division out in Saskatchewan and Manitoba. But like that, all, all those teams are, are really good, right? So It's going to make for an interesting march. Yeah. Like, I, I'm intrigued by a lot of matchups. And uh, you know what? Coming up on this podcast, we're going to talk to Scott Roblin. We talked to him just after the Red Deer Rebels game. Of course, uh, mm-hmm. we were all down a little bit when you lose 11-1. It's... Not great, against, especially against a team that you have beaten three times already this season. So we're going to talk to Scott as he's getting ready to go on the bus for that Edmonton game. Uh, so we'll talk to him about that. Of course, the big news 
our captain, Daniel mm-hmm. Baker. Mm-hmm. We found out he is going to be out for the remainder of this season. So we'll talk to Scott about that. And uh, also coming up, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant. And I and I apologize, but it's going to be a rant oh, on good. the Tiger fans. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, that's coming up also okay. in the podcast. Come on. Check it out. Tigers Uncaged is powered by South Country Co-op. Tigers! More roar in a minute. If we asked your car how it felt, it wouldn't respond. It's a car. But if we added some magical pixie dust and then asked, it still wouldn't answer. That only happens in the movies. But if we ask how you felt about having to fill your car, you'd probably say, I wish I got something out of it. Well, co-op members earn money on every liter filled at co-op gas bars. Fill up today on Strachan Road, 13th Avenue, Maple Avenue, North Labs, Redcliffe, Eagle Butte, and Dunmore, and Oyen. South Country Co-op proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. When it comes to washing your ride, the most important thing is... Water pressure. Without it, dirt, bugs, birds business, and everything else stays on. Thankfully, South Country Co-op Extreme Car Wash has the... Water pressure. State-of-the-art laser touchless car wash from South Country Co-op. Four locations, Maple Avenue, Northlands, Crescent Heights, and Strachan Road. This is your best wash. This is Extreme touchless car wash from South wash. Country Co-op. You're at home here. Water pressure. For over 60 years, South Country Co-op has been part of our community. Families gathering around the table to talk about their day, share stories, laugh together, and just be there for one another. The meal on the table that brings families together is from South Country Co-op. Fresh local ingredients on amazing deals for you every single week. And their app gets you access to their flyer, locations, hours, and more. South Country Co-op proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. Tigers Uncaged. Let's go! Powered by South Country Co-op. Here's your host. And I reveal myself to you all here. Jesse and Lance. Behold! Welcome back to the podcast, Tigers Uncaged, powered by South Country Co-op. We appreciate you listening. And as always, we get the interim play-by-play man, Mr. Scott Roblin, in here. How you doing, buddy? Good. How are you guys doing? Hey, we are doing all right. Of course, uh, Tigers being on the road right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Scott getting set to go to Edmonton. As we are recording this, Mm -hmm. we are just coming off a very disappointing 11-1 loss over the Red Deer Rebels, but I don't want to talk about that just yet. I want to talk about the big news the Tiger fans are going to be talking about. Our captain, Daniel Baker, out for the rest of the season. Kind of a little bit of a, a surprise to see that, right, Scott? Yeah, I mean, uh, he was playing against the Lethbridge Hurricanes back on Saturday nights and uh, suffered uh, an upper body injury and has been confirmed by the coaching staff that he is expected to miss the remainder of uh, the Tiger season. Um, going back to, uh, to Tuesday nights, uh, the remaining 19 games left in the season. And the timetable for his recovery was looking to be about two months. And, of course, the Tigers uh, certainly well out of a playoff position and likely won't see Dan Baker uh, returning to the Tigers before then. So um, it's just a shame, um, you know, for, for Dan being an overage defenseman in this league. Uh, that essentially means the end of his junior career here in Medicine Hats. Um, it's such a, a tough way to see a player like Daniel go down and, you know, having the season he's had, he's had, you know, a, a really strong bounce back season, I think for the Tigers last year in the development season, didn't necessarily have the offensive season he was looking for. And this year he's up until his injury played every single game for medicine hat. Uh, was ranked second in team scoring first for defenseman, um, was got, got the captaincy on his chest, uh, at the teddy bear toss night. Um, aside from all of the struggles this year, it's been a, a big season for Daniel Baker. And of course he's pushing, um, you know, potentially for a professional contract coming up and uh, to see his 
season and potentially his career end here as a Medicine Hat Tiger in the way it has uh, not being able to, you know, I, I equate it to similar with what happened with James Hamblin during uh, the, the COVID-shortened season um, where he didn't know he played his last game as a Medicine Hat Tiger. And this year for Daniel Baker, one of the, the few silver linings for the team being last in the league is that last game of the season, you know that's okay, buckle up, this is my last game in the league. And unfortunately for, for Daniel, likely he won't be able to experience that. So um, in, a, in a season and in a week full of unfortunate news for the Tigers, um, you know, I think this is you know, one of the, the more awful feelings for the club. And you, you just talk to the players and everybody's just devastated for, for Daniel and what he's been able to bring to the team and just not being able to, to go out on his own terms. There's not much more that you can really say about the situation with Daniel because it's just awful, right? We were trying to trying to, to put it into words um, on that Tuesday night broadcast when the Rebels were in town, Scott, and it's just so difficult to find the words for it. But, I, I mean, when you look at this team as a whole now, this has been one of the most e- emotionally trying seasons, I think, that, uh, that the team has had, at least in my recent memory, and, and I'm sure there's been roller coasters before, but... But I'm hard pressed to find a season that has been so so difficult from an emotional standpoint. Whether it's score lines, injuries, now not having Baker, uh, you didn't even know at the start of the year. I mean, the roller coaster really kicked off. Whether or not Cole Sillinger was going to come back and how that impacts things uh, from an emotional and morale level in the room. This has just been this has been a season like none other. Yeah, it's been an extremely difficult season. I know for both the players and the coaching staff. Um, to get through because it's it's a long season at 68 games and you know for a team that has only been able to pick up nine wins to this point there hasn't been a ton to celebrate unfortunately and it, you know you see situations where players are getting better players are improving you're seeing Tyler McKenzie take huge strides and be one of the best players on the Tigers and he's been gone for a month now um, injuries have just crept up through this roster Brendan Lee who's been playing quite well he's out Noah Danielson who's been one of the drivers and one of the veteran presence uh, presences on this team he's been out for a significant amount of time with Baker being out now um, he's, he's two years older than the rest of the Tigers decor so um, he's been truly a leader and, and someone the team has looked upon to uh, you know find out how to play in this league and unfortunately for the remaining uh, 18 games or so left in the season uh, the this decor is going to have to try and figure it out themselves and um, you know head coach and GM Willie Desjardins after that 11-1 loss to the the Red Deer Rebels the you know he was basically saying we're looking in games like that for players who have heart and and are in the battle. And unfortunately, on, on Tuesday night, there weren't many players showing that. Um, you know, the Joe Frazier said the team did something they don't usually do. Even though the team has picked up a lot of losses this year, they don't usually just shrink in games. And you, know, you could argue they've done that, uh, you know, for, for two games against the uh, Lethbridge Hurricanes going back to Saturday and that 9-2 loss and then, um, of course, the 11-1 to result here. Of course, we're recording this before they take on the Edmonton Oil Kings. That's going to be another incredibly difficult challenge for this team, riding uh, 11 straight losses and uh, taking on the top team in the country. Um, so we'll see how they perform uh, on, on Wednesday night. Obviously, uh, this will be released, released a little bit later on in the week. But it doesn't get any easier on the weekend. They take on the Swift Current Broncos, a team that put up a seven spot against them only a couple weeks ago and uh, an underratedly solid team around the league. So um, the, the answer has to be in the room. There's, there's no reinforcements coming for this team. They're incredibly banged up. The last couple of games they've been playing with 11 forwards just because they've had to. Um, they, they've had no one else that can fill that, uh, that 12 forward slot. 
Um, they've called up guys like Shane Smith and Josh Van Mulligan, but they have to be careful because as APs, they can only play them a certain amount of games. Um, yeah, it's just overall not a great situation, and it's been an in- extremely trying season for the team. Well, let's have a little uh, fun with this if we can. We are getting set. We're, we're recording this before we're playing the Edmonton Oil Kings, which we're about to hear uh, momentarily. Scott, what does the team need to do differently against Edmonton to kind of prevent an 11-1 loss like they just had about Red Deer? You, you watched them play the last two games where they're giving up a lot of goals. What do you need to see from the team to make this a respectable, respectable game? Well, I think the biggest thing that you got to look for is when you get scored on to not kind of collapse back into your own zone. And I think that's what they've been doing over the last couple of games. We've seen a number of times where Lethbridge or Red Deer scores a goal and then, you know, 30, 40 seconds later off the faceoff, they rush it back up the, the other end of the ice and the, the Tigers sense the frustration and um, just aren't as defensively sound. And I think that just goes back to the mental side of the game where it's so tough in this league when, when you start getting on losing streaks like this um, and start giving up so many goals in quick succession. Um, it, it can get in your head and you, you start getting frustrated and not focused on you know defensive schemes and patrolling the net front, those type of things. So I think if the Tigers, even if they do allow a, a few goals, which is probably going to happen against the Edmonton Oil Kings, I mean, they're an incredibly deep team and ranked number one in the country for a reason. Um, you know, if, if they can at least stay in the moments and, you know, try and counterpunch off the rush or even just get solid offensive zone pressure afterwards, it doesn't necessarily have to result in a goal, but um, it's an opportunity for them to try and gain some consistency and being able to, force the issue back the other way, which, quite honestly, they haven't really done over the last couple of games. You, you even look back to the Tuesday night game against Red Deer, Andrew Basha scores midway through the first period, and it's a 2-1 game, you know? And it's uh, you look at the final scoreline, and 11-1 to is, is the final, and um, you forget that the Tigers were within one goal uh, midway through the first period. It's things like that that it's going to be key for this Tigers team, not only against the Edmonton Oil Kings, but as they move forward uh, for their final you know, 17, 18 games of the regular season. Yeah, personally, I'm kind of keeping an eye on, and we talked about it back on Tuesday as well, the broadcast, how they start and finish periods, because it's so important to, to how the tone of the, of the period rolls along, right, and how you feel rolling into the next one. But, uh, Scott, last question, then we'll let you go, because we know – you got to get on the bus and head out to Edmonton. But we've heard this theme a little bit, and I think whether it's staff, uh, whether it's the players, um, fans, like season ticket holders, there's there's an understanding that this team is is going through it. They're going to lose some games, and that's all well and good. This team, for what it's worth, has had the fans support them. Uh, for the majority of the season outside, like, you know, there's people that are keyboard warriors on social media and of it is what it is, but those who are in the building every single night uh, understand the situation and they appreciate the effort that the Tigers are giving. But that's the key thing, right? As long as the Tigers are putting in effort the rest of the way and having solid efforts, the the results are going to be what they are. But it's it's when you start to see the team just kind of deflate themselves and they're not putting in that effort, that's when the the, the frustration kicks in. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Willie Desjardins said in his, uh, you know, post-game media veil after the, uh, the, the Red Deer game that he doesn't want this team to be an average team for the next three or four seasons. The reason they're doing this is so that they can make a championship run in two or three years. Right. And, and that, this is how you do it in, in junior hockey for the most part. I mean, you usually have a year like this for the Tigers where nothing goes right and you're going through it and 
you're you're seeing the losses pile up, but that allows you to draft earlier in the uh, WHL and import drafts. It allows you to kind of start anew and with a new crop of players. And um, there's going to be members of this Tigers team that are going to be a part of that key future. I mean, Andrew Basha has looked great over the last couple of games. Oasis Wiseblatt's really performed well. Reed Andreessen was excellent, uh, as excellent as you can be in an 11-to-1 loss. He was the only player um, who wasn't a minus player, which is pretty remarkable uh, when <laughs> you give up 11 goals in a game and you're, you're an even uh, rating player. Um, there, there are pieces here, and I think this team, you know, if they get back to what they've been doing, even earlier on in this losing skid, when they were facing off against the Regina Pats, Lethbridge Hurricanes, Prince Albert Raiders, they were playing really stingy defensive hockey, and mm-hmm. it wasn't results like we're seeing here, and you see the, the defensive buy-in. This team knows they still have it here. Um, so I think getting back to that is going to be important for this team. And, and like you said, you know, the, uh, the majority of the fan base, I think, is understanding of the position the Tigers are in. Um, but it's just up to the players to, to put in that compete each and every night. Um, it, it gets tougher and tougher once you get to the end of the season. And, you know, necessarily there's not playoff races you're playing for, but um, it's, it's just the pride of, of wearing that crest and being able to represent the Tigers. And uh, I'm confident the team can get back to that. Definitely, and we'll see. Hopefully, we'll see that on Saturday when they take on the Broncos. It was great to see the crowd, a lot of their faces. It was louder in that building because yeah. they weren't muzzled with that mask. And uh, Saturday, <laughs> well, I you mean, felt muzzled, yeah, for I did. Sure. But uh, looking forward to Saturday night. Uh, Lance and Scott will have the call in chat ninety four five. Scott, appreciate you, buddy. Have a good one. More hockey talk on the way with Tigers Uncaged. Powered by South Country Co-op. We've been part of the farming community for generations. Planning, advising, getting our boots dirty, helping farmers thrive and enhance their land. This is core to what we do because we believe that each crop should be grown with precision, grown with care, and grown with purpose. We are a different kind of business. We are building a legacy. We are South Country Co-op. When it comes to your choice of beverage, you have your favorites. And when it comes to the place you get your beverages from, Co-op Liquor Stores is the favorite. They carry a huge selection of wine, spirits, local and world beers. Stick to what you love or try something new. Co-op Liquor Stores in Crescent Heights, 13th Avenue, Redcliffe, Dunmore and Strachan Road. All open seven days a week. South Country Co-op. Proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. When it comes to washing your ride, the most important thing is... Water pressure. Without it, dirt, bugs, birds, business, and everything else stays on. Thankfully, South Country Co-op Extreme Car Wash has the... Water pressure. State-of-the-art laser touchless car wash from South Country Co-op. Four locations, Maple Avenue, Northlands, Crescent Heights, and Strachan Road. This is your best wash. This Extreme is Touchless Car Wash from South Country Co-op. You're at home here. What a pressure. Jesse and Lance are back with more Tigers Uncaged. Fast and fearless, baby. Here we go. Powered by South Country Co-op. Welcome back to the podcast, Tigers Uncaged. Powered by South Country Co-op. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate the diehard Tiger fans that are still making the trek to Co-op Place each and every home game. For sure. It has been, uh, it could be a lot worse. Listen, I know that we are a team that is struggling. Mm Mm-hmm. We're a team that's rebuilding, but we still get those diehards that come out to each and every home game, say hi to us, are there for the experience, are there to watch this young team. Mm-hmm. I tip my hat to those people. Yeah, I think I've, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I think 
those who are around the team every day, whether you work for it, you're a coach, you're a player, uh, or or you're just a fan that goes to a lot of games or keeps up with the Tigers, you you understand where they're at this season, right? Like they might not be the, the most talented this year, they might not have the most skill, but the one thing, save for I would say that night against Red Deer, that 11-1 game, they've put in fairly consistent efforts yes. every single night, and that you can you can see for the most part this team is trying to get better. They are, and I believe that they are getting better. I mm-hmm. look at a guy like Oasis where at the beginning of this podcast, I don't think I said some mean things about him. I just don't know if I understood what the hype was. You weren't sold on him. I get it now. Yeah. That is one kid on this team that I have seen a huge 180-degree change, mm-hmm. that he has become a leader, if you will, on this team. Yep. The guy's playing defense. The guy's scoring goals. The guy's using the body. Mm-hmm. He's got that passion that we need. That's the thing, right? He he has, like, he wears his emotions on his sleeve, but he he's reined it in a little bit over the last little while, and you can tell he cares. Yeah, that's, definitely. That's the big thing, and, and obviously, all these kids care. We yes. shouldn't say that they don't, but some just are more emotional drivers of a team than yes. others. That's just the role that some people play. You look in the NHL, like no one's going to call, for example, Carey Price, an emotional driver throughout his career for his team, but. They also know he's a leader. Exactly. Oasis Wiseblatt is that emotional push this team has every single night. And I know that we constantly say this is a young team. This is a young team. It is a young team. And it is a team is. that is getting better. As as a Tiger fan, and I'm talking to all Tiger fans out there, uh-huh. we deserve this team. For years, mm. we have been either a good team or a mediocre team. We've always been that team that was a safe bet to make the playoffs, Mm -hmm. and we would go to the first round of the playoffs. We were on the precipice of great at one point. Every time, and it seemed like every year, as the years went, more and more we made that first year of the playoffs, first round of the playoffs, people stopped going. Mm -hmm. There was a time, the first round of the playoffs, we were scrounging to find tickets. And now that we're in a bigger venue, Mm -hmm. and now that we're constantly making it, and maybe we're having tiebreaker games, people are like, I know they're going to make the playoffs. When they go to the second round, that's when I'll show support. We take for granted those playoff runs. We do. We always get eliminated in the first round. People will get mad, even though they weren't even at the game. They would get mad, say <laughs> bad things about the team. We deserve to have a team that does not make the playoffs so that when we do make the playoffs next year or, hell, even two years from now, mm-hmm. maybe Tiger fans will appreciate this team a little bit more and show up. And support them. Yeah, it's one of those things you don't realize how good it is until you don't have it anymore, right? And that's not me being mean to any of the Tiger fans. I'm just saying there's something about a playoff atmosphere that we don't get in the first round of the playoffs because I think the Tiger fans sit there and go, meh, we we usually do this. Mm -hmm. Let's see what happens in the second round. Mm -hmm. Then Mm -hmm. the third round happens. That's when the momentum starts to swing, but... Unfortunately, you have to go through the first and second rounds yeah. to get there. Like, am I wrong in saying that? No, no, no. I, I, I think the the message that you're putting out of of us taking for granted the the trips to the postseason on such a consistent basis for this club is valid because because it's it's abnormally abnormally consistent. It was for years that this team would make playoffs. Like you look around junior hockey or just sports in general, not many teams make the playoffs year after year after year. The the one that I can think of that was that's on like a similar run 
or used to be at least, was the Detroit Red Wings for all those years where they were consistently in the playoffs, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden when Detroit is having those down years and now they're in this rebuild, I, I would imagine the people of Detroit and the fans start to appreciate those runs a little bit more. And I think we've, we've found ourselves in, in that situation as well. Um, and it's not for for any lack of of effort on anyone's behalf. You know that everyone's putting in countless amounts of hours that are with the team, whether it's the coaching staff, the players, they don't want to go through this. And, and I've brought it up to, you know, family to you and Scott multiple times. Like, like these are kids who for the most part of their hockey career to this point have been the top players on their teams that are probably on teams throughout minor hockey that were either the best or near the best. They were on very good teams all the time. And it's a bit of a change when you go into last season where a lot of these kids started and you would think that experience of, of last year would be enough, but it really isn't because last year we'll remember they only played what, 24 games in the yep. season. Uh, it was a majority just weekends and it was a completely different vibe. No one in the building, um, really no external pressures outside of whatever you put on yourself. And you had uh, an older group that was here as well. Of course, Lucas Fikovsky was still around and then you had your overages as well. And, and this year, it's it's different. Obviously, no Cole Sillinger coming back to the start of the year is a, is a bit of an adjustment, but you bring Lucas Fikovsky back in, and then you start to get into the the beginning of a real Western Hockey League schedule and how different it can be when you take a period off, when you take 10 minutes off, and how far behind you can get stuck, and then all of a sudden, well, now you've lost one, two, three in a row. And those losing streaks almost feel a little bit more because for these kids also, you got to remember they're going to school for a lot of them, right? And and they don't want to go to school and, and everyone say, oh, man, these guys lost 10 in a row. What's going on? Like they want to go to school and have 10-game winning streaks. Yep. And so that plays a bit of a part in it. You then have to balance your schoolwork on top of your personal life. You're checking in with family. And you're also at the rink way more than you probably were last year. And now you're playing more games. You're starting to get banged up a little bit. And we start to see this season become really difficult, right? It's not an easy season. And for a lot of these guys where, I mean, sure, they're in their second, maybe even third year, none of them have more than 70 games for the most part. Mm-hmm. There's only a handful of guys that have more than 70 games in the Western Hockey League. So they're still they're still learning their way through this league. Now, granted, most teams around the league are in the same boat, but not as many are as young. No. The only team that you can really point to in our division that's as young as the Tigers is the Calgary Hitmen. The Calgary Hitmen have a bunch of a bunch of rookies in there as well. And they've just done better than the Tigers have, pure and simple. Like that's that's what it comes down to. I think we can look at this season and maybe point to some maybe it's like structural things and, and the team at times feel looking like they're they're not sure where to move the puck to and they're not sure what they should be doing. And, and those are problems that that you can have conversations about. Mm-hmm. But this is a big learning curve for a lot of these guys. And and so I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt. And and I think a lot of the, the fans and people around the team are as well. As long as you're giving solid effort every night. The yeah, only thing that we expect as as fans of, of the Tigers is to go out and just try your best. Yes. Right? Yeah. I understand the frustration in those last two games where they lost 20-3. to three. Right. I, I understand you're giving up that many goals. To the keyboard warriors out there that are hiding behind their keyboard, you have to remember these are kids. Yeah. And this is a very young team. And I believe that the coaching staff, the ownership, 
are sitting there going, listen, we are done having a good to mediocre team. Mm-hmm. We are now going to put everything in to have a championship team, but in order to do that, we're going to have to have a year like this where we're going to struggle, mm-hmm. we're going to be younger, but listen, you give them two years with the potential of having a top three WHL pick mm-hmm. and the potential to have a number one import draft, which I Possibly. would I would think you would focus on scoring and maybe a little defense. I believe that they're going all in for a two, three years down the road mm-hmm. to win a championship. I even just look in in the bit of the short term next year the majority of your defense core will be 19 years old and and I've talked to a few people about this where they say well just because you're older doesn't mean you're better but it but it does, it does. at the, at this it, age yes. it's such a such a difference if if you talk to anyone around the league they'll tell you it's a 19 and 20 year old league for a reason because just just the way that you understand how the the league works you're comfortable uh, you're filling out your body a bit better. You're you're more comfortable with your game. You're finding yourself a bit Look more. Look at a guy like Russell. Yeah, 100%. Russell's best years were probably his last two, and I think every year he was getting better and better and better. If you yeah. were to tell me that he was going to be a leading scorer in his final year, right. I'd have said you're you're full of it. One guy that that from the defense side I look at, and it's not that far ago, is Cole Clayton. Hundred percent. Like he Cowboy. once he he filled out his body, he understood his size and how to play it. And he became physical. And then he added the scoring element towards the end of his career with the Tigers. And and so that's what I think you're going to see even as soon as next year. Because a lot of these blue liners are going to be 19 years old. Uh, you're going to have, hopefully, Garen back as a, as a 20-year-old. Uh, I mean, obviously, selfishly, we want him back. But yeah. if he ends up turning pro, then good for him. Mm-hmm. But you, you would then have Garen back for a 20-year-old season. Noah Danielson will be healthy. You'll have Tyler McKenzie healthy. And you'll be able to to reinsert these guys into better spots. You get an another year of Oasis Wiseblatt feeling comfortable. Like you look at all these guys, they're they're going to be better for this because in their minor hockey careers, what do you think? Like five of them, six of them have ever gone through something like this yeah. through minor hockey. And like you're going to tell me that they're not going to have that bad taste in their mouth 100%. next year, and they're going to make sure that this does not happen again. Mm-hmm. Like the the sky's the limit for this team. And you have to remember, not only uh, do I mention those first picks, the potential number one picks. But with the trades, we have a lot of draft picks coming our way. That's true. Well, there is a potential to have a very good team mm-hmm. for years down the road. So but, we're even, but we're even seeing like even more than that, Jesse. We're seeing guys like Tomas Mercik and what he yes. can do. Hell Shane yeah. Smith has been called up. Zariah did 20. He <laughs> saved 20 out of 26 in yeah. his first real yeah. legit home outing. Yeah, Zach Zahara plays twice in relief. And that's hard to do, but he's going to be better for it. They draft Ethan McCallum, get him signed. Like Caden Lindstrom's been here, uh, Hunter St. Martin. You, oh, you can I go up and down this list. There's there right Lindstrom's oh, big. Man, I can't wait to see that kid play again. But they're not that far off either. Like obviously they're young, right? But we're starting like we're already seeing them get inserted into the lineup for at least a taste here and there. Mm-hmm. They got to think a couple of them plus other players who we haven't even seen yet that might be waiting in the wings that are working on the aircraft that might break through and earn a spot. At next year's training camp, those guys are going to come through. I, I, I just think this team's going to be well positioned even for next year mm-hmm. to be a lot better as we see teams like Edmonton lose a, a bunch of their guys because they're only going to be able to keep three 20 year olds and they have a bunch of NHL drafted players. Yep. I mean, the, the, the Red Deer Rebels ha- have pretty well gone all in picking up Jackson Vandalese and, uh, and they're going to lose Archie Baines, who's been a top scorer. Like, like other teams will, will drop off and the Tigers are, are trending move, uh, upwards, yeah. right? Yeah, so, I mean, to the people that sit there and say, oh, I want them to start winning games, I just want effort. 100%. I don't want a 12-game losing streak because, obviously, we don't have the capacity that we could keep up with a team like Edmonton 
if we ever made the playoffs. Yeah. So yeah. as long as they're putting in the effort, which they have up until the last those two games, Lethbridge I would and say Red Lethbridge Deer. and Red Deer was, yep, was a drop-off. Which drop happens. I, I get it. But yep. if you're putting in the effort, which I believe they are, mm-hmm. and you're losing 2-1 or you're losing 5-2, that's going to happen. One more thing that, that not many people get the uh, experience of, and I think it's important because you get a bit of a, a better look into what the team is like. Obviously, they're going to be excited before a game, but every single home game, you're down in the tunnel, mm-hmm. and, and you can kind of feel the energy. And and I, I've noticed it a little bit coming in early, like before the games as the team's warming up, and obviously there's high spirits, but and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it feels like their energy ha- has always been up. They've always been excited to play, and, and there's always someone that, that's ready to get going. Like, like there's someone that's firing the guys up every single time yeah. in that tunnel. Yeah, it's Patton or it's uh, uh, or Wiseblatt. Right. Are, are the two guys that are saying, hey, let's go, let's go, we got this, let's go. There have been a couple games where you can tell, and it was early on, mm-hmm. that the energy was very low. As we have been going throughout the season, those boys just want to get out there and play. Yep. And the one message I always say to them, when I when I tell them, why not us? Yeah. Why not us? Why can't we go out there and beat Edmonton tonight? Mm-hmm. Could happen. You never Did know. Did it before. We've done it before. Exactly. So, I don't know. I it really irked me that 11-1 i understand the fans frustration but seeing some of the comments and seeing some of the people that were writing just horrible things about this team we're young yep we don't need to change the coaching staff because i believe the coaching staff knows exactly what they're doing for years to come mhm this yeah, year's th- a wash let's just get through this year i think that the, and they may they they probably won't ever come out and say it and maybe we're going to be able to get one of them at season's end and and kind of talk to them a little bit about it they probably won't mention it but but I would suspect there is more than a this-year plan in place for this team. This, this is this is a management group. This is a coaching staff that obviously wants to see success now, but I think also has big picture in mind. Yep, a little and bit. So. I, I can't wait for that big picture. I can't wait to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as always, uh, appreciate you listening to the podcast. Thanks for coming to our TED Talk, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Well, that's what every single episode is. It's true. So it's our Tiger TED Talk. What we market as a 30-minute turns out to be a 45-minute <laughs> TED Talk. Because we never have anything planned. Appreciate nope. Scott Roblin for joining us. Uh, hopefully we see you down at the co-op place with the Tigers and the Broncos Saturday night. If you can't make it, you can catch Lance and Scott with all the action on chat94.5.com. This has been Tigers Uncaged with Jesse and Lance. Powered by South Country Co-op. Thanks to all of our show contributors. Thank you for your help. Be looking for a new Tigers Uncaged podcast every week during hockey season.